Alright, and we are back with another episode of the Cousins Soccer Podcast, EPL and Europe Edition. Um, I am Clark. And I'm Hector. Yeah, like Clark said, uh, this is our first episode back uh, specifically with European football. I know we talked about Atlanta United last week, uh, but we figured with Champions League and Europa League all returning this week, we may as well wait a little bit and just be able to get that in too. Um, so yeah, why don't we, uh, why don't we dive in with the premier league? Okay. So, uh, let's just get right into, I guess the top nine, you could probably say top 10. Um, they're 10 points separate second place, second place in the table and ninth place, which, you know, this, this season has been so absurdly close. City's obviously pulling away. I think they have 56 points now, which a little disappointing, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) But from there down, you know, it's really a close, close uh, table. You got United, who has not played, sorry, Manchester United, who's not played, I guess, the best in the league after their loss to Sheffield. Ever since then, it's kind of been really up and down. And it's just been a little disappointing. You know, City, how luck? let's just say this, how lucky did City get? I know that them getting someone testing positive with COVID isn't a good thing and like isn't lucky, but I feel like they got such a break with that that it benefited their team so much, at least in the short term, right? Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Um, it's one of those just it's one of those crazy circumstances that you know everyone is okay from the COVID stuff, thankfully, uh, and the the break really just I mean. Just all you have to do is look at the table, and it tells you exactly what happened. They are on an absolute tear. Uh, while a lot of teams are kind of floundering, going up and down the table, uh, I mean, you got Tottenham dropping all the way to ninth right now, Liverpool at sixth. These are clubs that were at the top not too long ago. Um, you're you're seeing exactly what just a breather can do for you. And while I, you know, the way City is playing on the field. I would assume that they were going to win the league anyway. Yeah. But, you know, having this on top of it is just, that's why they're up 10 points. Like it, that's why it's already over. <laughs> well, and the thing I find craziest is, so you don't have Aguero on the field and you don't have De Bruyne on the field for the past, like three, four games or something like that. Yeah. They so, haven't missed a beat. You know, Gundogan came in and has been playing like the best player in the world in these past four or five games. They're- their last three matches in the Premier League have been against Everton, Tottenham, and Liverpool. And they've won those games a combined 10-2. to two. Yeah, it's Pep knows what he's doing, man. The thing I uh, think that might come back to get them now is since they had to postpone that game, it, I don't think there are any competitions going on, but it kind of changed up the fixtures for them in the EPL. And I feel like they play like a game every three days for the next few weeks or something. They like, you know, UCL, uh, Carabao Cup, FA Cup, because they're still in all of these competitions. So, I mean, they're going to want to win trophies. No one's going to, you know, throw their hat and just kind of give up on any of them, especially when you're this deep into those competitions. Yeah, I'm looking at their calendar right now, and they do have, it looks like... um between now and the 20th of March, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. 
and two of those are Champions League matches, and uh, one of them is a quarterfinal in the FA Cup. So, bit of a loaded schedule. It's a good thing that they're building a a nice gap between themselves and the rest of the league. I, I'll be honest, like I have, they they've won the league in my opinion. It's yeah. I don't think it's even going to be. I, I, the gap is going to be even larger than it is right now, if you ask me. It it will, because I mean, all of the competition that could have competed for those, you know, actually competed for those points, just lost points to them. So, you know, obviously there's still Leicester, there's still Chelsea. I don't think West Ham has played them recently, and United will play them at some point. But, you know, this 10 points ahead with, I don't even know how many games they've played at the moment. It's it's just, it's... City is looking great. Pep has been just doing what Pep does at this team. It's it's really impressive, to be honest. A hundred percent agree. Um, so second on the list, you got Manchester United. I think I mentioned a few minutes ago they've been just unlucky. They've just dropped points. Uh, prior to I guess th- it was like three games ago, they were a few points above City, and City had two games in hand. They've just this was like the, I think their last chance to beat City for a while, at least in the Premier League, just because next year Messi's probably going to City, and it's just like you can write off the season for any yeah. other team at that point, right? Like, I I don't see I don't see how that's gonna like seeing what they're doing now and adding that like there's that's where the discussion starts and that's where it ends. Like Mares still comes off the bench. Like, that still blows me away because this dude's still playing at such a high level to come and score goals, assist, dribble like he does, and just, you know, he would start on any team. But he goes to City to sit on the bench, play for 30 minutes, and, you know, rip apart defense. Oh, he's crazy. Yeah, United still talking about De Gea. I think I mentioned it months ago where De Gea sucks. I still don't like De Gea. His may have make some great saves, but his positioning and just lack of communication with the defense, I think really hurts. You saw that kind of today with Henderson being in there, constantly communicating with that back line. Um, And, you know, the center back combo we have with Lindelof and Maguire is just, it it doesn't work. Two really slow guys. Baye needs to play, but dude is always hurt. He played well today, got an assist. Nice. Um, and then Martial, I'm I'm done with him. I'm I've been done with him for a few months. Dude only scores when it doesn't matter. He everything he he just has the potential to be great, but I don't think he'll be great here. That's it. Just it's time to move on from Martial. That's really that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's a I don't think that's a bad take either. I mean. He does seem to kind of disappear in some of the big moments, especially when you compare him to guys like Rashford and even Greenwood. Yeah. I know Greenwood hasn't been the like. I mean, it, you can't even complain about Greenwood because he's so young. But seeing what he did last year already, like I would already trust Greenwood more um, in those big moments than I would Martial. So I'm I'm with you there. You know, he's a he's a good player. I don't think anyone is gonna take that away from him, but. Yeah, I think anyone who has an expectation that he's going to be a total game changer, you know, I think that's kind of out the window now, um, which isn't, you know, some guys simply, that's not what they are. And that's not the worst thing in the world. But for, like you said, for United, and especially 
if you're talking for a team that's going to try to compete with Manchester City to win titles these next few seasons, I think that that spot does have to improve. Or, you know, you, you have to shift something to where you're not depending as much on a player like him. I, I think his biggest issue comes with, you see it constantly now with Cavani on the team, is that Cavani's a striker. Martial is just not. He doesn't make runs the way that a striker does. You know, he's not like lining up with the the back line, getting on the back shoulder of a defender, making the run for that cross coming in. It's just you're missing that and having him up front ever or even on the wings is just. It's not worth it. You should just put Greenwood in. It's really all I can say. Yeah, I'm with you put there. Dan James in instead. At least he tries. Um. <laughs> Uh, Leicester, we can move on from United because I'm still just frustrated, as you can tell. Um, Leicester, they're looking good under Brendan Roberts. I feel like he's a really good coach. Could have probably done more with Liverpool, but it looks like I'm impressed what he's been able to do with this Leicester team because I feel like anytime they sell someone, they'll find someone that can replace that guy and do just as good or maybe a little bit better when it comes to like yeah, defenses, I, midfielders in that sense. Right, right, right. And um, yeah, that's uh, another cl- – they've had how many seasons now where I guess, you know, honestly, ever since they won the league, it felt like it was a a one-off thing, but they just – they find ways to replace the guys that they sell off. Um, they're just a consistent club, and I think they're – at this point, it's – they're they're here to stay. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. There there's a lot of compliments that you can give them, um, but I think that the best one is just the fact that they've turned into a very stable, strong club. Yeah, they're scary to go play. You know, Jamie Vardy scores goals, and you know he's not just the speedster that everyone always talks about him being. He does a lot more than that. You know, he he's a decent passer. He can move defenders around by just him being there so yeah i think he's played a pretty big part in it but james madison has also i think taken some pretty big steps forward under brendan roberts and is it roberts brendan rogers jeez rogers yes yes yeah no he and and yeah it's uh i there he's he's done some good stuff with these young guys not jamie vardy but you know madison and stuff i've i think it's been impressive They've been pretty fun to watch. Um, do you have any thoughts on Chelsea now that Lampard is gone? I have a lot of thoughts on Chelsea. Um, one, the first one is, you know, let's talk big picture here with them. They mm-hmm. basically have been the opposite of what we expected them to be at the beginning of the season. Their offense has struggled or had struggled a bit more um, while their defense was actually playing pretty well. Mm-hmm where we were anticipating the, the, quite the opposite. Um, and, you know, I actually, I was, a, I, it's funny. I was reading a book about the Premier League um, these last few, a few weeks ago. And, and one of the big topics was talking about uh, Chelsea's takeover uh, when they were purchased in the early 2000s or mid 2000s, mm-hmm. I think, whenever it was. And one of the points that they made in that, one of the one of the big points was just talking about how much they rotate through managers um, quickly, kind of pulling the plug and all that. I think because it was Lampard and he's a club legend, I just thought the leash would be even longer than it already was. Um, but you know, so far they're getting results. 
Um, there's still some issues where a lot of their players are underperforming. So I think that needs to be turned around too before we just accept the fact that Chelsea has been saved. Um, but you can't deny the good start that they've had since the new hiring. So, you know, I'm, I, as someone that's a big fan of Pulisic, I'm a bit disappointed in what his season has looked like so far. Because whereas in the past, you could blame inconsistent minutes and all that type of stuff um, for some of the lack of numbers or on and off performances, I do think this season's just been kind of a, a poor performance from him, uh, at least compared to what I expected. But yeah, they, they've got a, they obviously have a talented roster and they're getting results now. Um, they look like they're going to probably finish in top four if they keep this up. Uh, but it's Chelsea, you know, just just as likely as they are to do that, we could see them go on like a four game losing streak and all of a sudden find themselves in like eighth or ninth. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the case. You really don't know, especially they have Kepa is starting in goal now, which I think is so weird after. I feel like after what he did. Was it two seasons ago, maybe where he refused to get subbed out? and then got scored on. Like I feel like that would end your career, but <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. I'm so I'm kind of impressed that he's starting. I don't know why. Maybe I feel like we've seen a lot now where, you know, just a little bit of criticism can ruin someone's career. Maybe a little bit of uh encouragement can, you know, make a guy that fell quite a bit regain his form um Pulisic being on the bench a little bit is a little worrying because I feel like he's been not necessarily this season but in the past few seasons he's been there has been one of their better players which you know is a little surprising especially I'm definitely not biased being an American but I feel like he should play a little more so he could have time to impact the game but yeah, I don't I don't know. They've they've made a lot of signings and they're not really playing Havertz and Zayek as much as you would expect for dropping all this money on these guys. Yeah. I that's that's pretty much it. I Chelsea's an interesting I, I, literally what I was about to say is Chelsea never fails to be an interesting club. Yeah. They they really don't. And just another thing that's kind of funny is just back on Lampard real quick. You know, uh, we talked about it right before we started recording, but, um, you know, Steven Gerrard is at Rangers in Scotland, I think. Is that Scotland? Is that the Scottish uh, yes, League? I think. Okay, so he's, you know, there. He's on some absurd run of, like, out of 40-something games, he's only lost six and won 23 of them or something like that. That's absurd. You know, that's... That's setting him up to potentially take over another team in the future, right? You know, a bigger club. Totally. Lampard's kind of started at the top and is going to... Would would you give him another chance at another high level, seeing how poorly he kind of dealt with all of these players? Or is he going to go to a lower team and kind of have to build that trust back up? I just think it's interesting because it's two completely different ways of handling it. Yeah, I think... Uh... I do think he's going to have to aim a little bit lower just because a big part of the, I think the Chelsea job came because of his status at, you know, what he did for the club as a player. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not to say he can't become a, I, I do think like there was some good in Frank Lampard's coaching. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think when you take out the Chelsea factor, it's going to be harder to jump into another top job 
especially with just how cutthroat the Premier League is nowadays. You, the clubs who might give him a chance are, are clubs who can't afford to drop too many games. And I think there's just safer options for that scenario. Uh, but even for him, I think he'd be better suited going to a club that's more low-key. Uh, give him a chance to really, you know, I, I feel like it can hamper you going to a giant club with a big bank account because you start depending on big signings to kind of change your your game rather than really fleshing out tactics and building, you know, a strategy and a philosophy as a coach. Um, so going somewhere where he might be more limited in that regard, I think could actually do a lot of benefits for him long term. Because you look at, you know, not every big coach has done this, but the big one that always comes to mind for me is Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho, mm-hmm. he, you know, with Porto, not a tiny club by any means, but certainly doesn't compare to the levels of Real Madrid, Manchester United, even Tottenham. Um, but starting in a club like that and doing well with them, I think it really helped him kind of not just learn, but really develop that mindset of like, it, it doesn't matter what who your players – I mean, yeah, obviously it matters who your players are. But, but, like, as a coach, it is my responsibility to get the best of these guys regardless of who it is rather than just being the – you know, being in charge of Chelsea and being like, oh, I can pick out uh, – I can pick out Pulisic off the bench. I can pick off this guy off the bench, and then they're going to do something for me. Like, it takes more than that. And so – I think even just big picture, it's it's going to be better for him to go to an opportunity like that to keep developing. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it it was I thought it was just a crazy signing on their part in the first place because zero managerial experience at that level. I think at any level. So yeah, it was just one of those like hmm, interesting. Um. So yeah, uh, that. We can move on from Chelsea because I feel like you could do a documentary on the weird decisions they've made in the past two years alone. Um, West Ham has been quite the surprise. David Moyes, you know, I have feelings about him, um, but he's made this team play pretty well for the most part. You know, he's had some really good surprises with some players like Bowen and uh, Suchek. Those two guys have really both look like fantastic signings and just great, good additions to this team. Um, then you got Jesse Lingard's my boy Jay Lings. Um, you know, Jay comes Ling. in on loan from United, scores some goals, is assisted as well. And he played pretty well under Moyes when Moyes was at United, so maybe he'll find his form again. Um, they're not maybe the most fun team to watch, but they definitely have been a good, like a pretty pleasant surprise when it comes to just, you know, throwing a wrench into the engine, you know. I've enjoyed their, uh, just, just you know, Bowen specifically, I think he's been, I, I've enjoyed his style. I don't know how much of West Ham you've watched other than when they've played like your team or whatever, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've obviously followed them because, um, they, they've climbed up the table really well, but I uh, haven't had too many actual TV minutes with them. But in terms of what I've seen on YouTube and, and read up on, I mean, a club like West Ham breaking up, breaking up that like city, you, you know, what you expect the traditional top six ish should be. Um, you got to respect it. 
They're mm-hmm. they're doing well with what they've got. And um, if they're able to to grab a Europa spot, I mean, I don't I don't think they're going to be able to keep up for a Champions League spot, but anything like Europa for them would be huge. Yeah, and then another team that's in that Europa spot right now is Liverpool, which um. Like, to be fair, they've had a lot of injuries. They have, uh, you know, obviously Van Dyke is hurt. They have rotating center backs. But I don't know. I feel like Klopp, every once in a while, kind of has lost the plot. I know they won today or yesterday, but, you know, in the Premier League alone, they've just kind of they've kind of lost it. They haven't had that scariness of, you know, scoring goals and just being that ridiculously offensive team and I wonder you know obviously Allison hasn't played the best but you know Van Dyke missing is a huge part of that too it's just it's interesting because we thought they were going to be you know one of the top team along with City obviously that changes when your best defender is gone but oh yeah if anything that does show you though like I think Van Dyke was a guy that we already uh held at a really high level and now we're seeing we may we probably didn't have him at a high enough level Mm -hmm. yeah no i I think that really does kind of explain it or put it into perspective how important he was to this team because you know i think they only played a few games the season with him and you know they were high flying scoring goals and then the moment they lost him it was Okay, we got to figure out what to do. Then another guy gets hurt. You're, you know, now you're playing like Henderson at center back, and you're like, what? <laughs> like that's sounds like, like a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a problem. Um. Oh yeah, so Everton and Aston Villa, I think, have both been pretty pleasant surprises. Villa went from relegation zone last season, like last day, potentially getting relegated. Still wish they did, so United could get Grealish. Um, but. They've been a pretty pleasant surprise. They don't play boring soccer, which I thought they kind of did last season. They relied so heavily on Grealish, and this season they still rely on him, but they've really stepped up their game. Yeah, I agree. They they look, like you said, they just look like a better team. And Grealish, you know, with less, you know, he, he's not being dependent on as much, but he somehow comes across as an even better player than he did last year. Mm-hmm. Um I think he's just more efficient. He's able to do more playmaking now that opportunities around him are being uh, taken care of. Uh, I'm sure every club that was interested in him like three years ago now is probably frustrated with themselves for not just pushing a little bit further to try to pull him in because trying to trying to rip him from Via's hands now is going to be a, a very difficult task. Oh, yeah, and... I think you that could would go the same for a guy like Dominic Calvert Lewin at Everton right now. I feel like yeah. in the past few weeks he hasn't been like the best, but I mean so far this season when he's been healthy, he's been really, really, really good. Yeah, and he's a guy who I remember when we were talking about the Premier League back when it kicked off, he was off to such a hot start. Um, it's been impossible to not be aware of, of the season he's been having. Mm-hmm. Even though like you said, he's had a little bit of a dip. I think uh still one of the big reasons why Everton is where they are at the table. They're not, you know, they started off on an incredible run, but I know Hamas was hurt. I don't know if he's back yet. I, I know he's, he's close back. to returning. Okay. He's that not makes playing sense. Full then. 90 though. 
but yeah, you know, they, they've had some injuries and all that, but they've still, you know, they've, they've stayed in a competitive spot and, uh, Kyver Lewin's one of the big reasons because of that. Also, another big pickup for them was uh, Decore from Watford. So they obviously oh, yeah. relegated and they picked him up and he's been a fantastic signing for them. I'm I'm, I'm a little jealous they picked him up. Um, but yeah, Everton, you know, let's see what Ancelotti could do. I, they've been really exciting to watch. Uh, and then, you know, below Aston Villa or tied with Aston Villa in points is Spurs. And I'm sure you have quite a bit to say about them. They've been interesting to watch for the most part or interesting isn't the right word i would say at times is very difficult to watch is more at least from my perspective has been yeah i mean ever when when harry kane went down in particular that run right there was was close to unwatchable in my opinion um but yeah it's been a lot of some disappointing performances these last few weeks um i think games like like today in the in the europa league i mean i know we're talking premier league but today was a good example of i think guys actually coming out and performing to their best abilities which all around has been the issue with tottenham there i don't think they've played a game where you can look at them and be like they gave you 90 strong minutes mm-hmm. um Every game, it seems like there's at least one mental error. Usually, it's Harry Winks committing it. Um, but yeah, that that kind of inconsistency is what's really. I mean, when Tottenham gets beat three nil by Manchester City, I'm not shocked. I I assumed we were going to lose to them. Yeah, we looked worse than I anticipated, but you know, wasn't expecting anything too far off from that. Uh, but losing one nil to Brighton, uh, tying Fulham in early January. That's the type of stuff that I'm. That's more frustrating. Um, then there was the the FA Cup loss to Everton, the five four one. That was just. I, I mean, neither team. I don't think either team. Both teams must have felt like they lost at some point in that game because it was just a mess back and forth. But in terms of Tottenham, like that was a perfect example of those mental errors and those one off errors really costing them. Um, so you know the only yeah the the only bright side for Tottenham going forward is that they don't have the worst schedule in the world. It's not super super light, but it's also not impossible. I think the only top top team they play again this season is um, City. I mean they play Leicester as well, but you know that one is is a lot more of a, a close matchup in my opinion, especially between Leicester and Tottenham. They they've had some pretty good matchups in the past, but I think the only game oh they they play united as well i I missed that one but but those two are really the only ones that um that worry me a ton Mm -hmm. so so i i think they're going to have an opportunity to make up some some spots in the table but one they need health uh sergio regulon has been out for for about a month now and and giovanni lo celso has been out for even longer um man that guy cannot catch a break with health yeah, he he's basically, unfortunately for him, he's been basically Lamella 2.0 with the injuries. Because um, when he's on the field, I can't complain. He goes 100%. He he contributes every time he's out there. But I think the the one the one guy, I mean Harry Kane and and Son have had amazing seasons. There's no denying that. But the one guy who 
think he was revving it up when we were previously talking, but now I think he's really established established himself as one of the best midfielders in the Premier League is um, Tangi and Dembele. Mm-hmm. Just if if it wasn't for him in the midfield, I. I I don't even want to imagine how much worse the team would look because you could just look at last he, season, really. Yeah, he has definitely been the just the breakout star for this team. He's gone from a guy who couldn't get minutes to, I mean, I there's he's still missing like a little bit of consistency, I think. But over the last, I would say two months, I I think you would have to put him in like your top three midfielders in the prem. Oh, for sure, he's. He was, he's been looking impressive. Uh, I think I mentioned some time ago, I don't know if we were recording then, but he's been out pogba Pogba at his own role. Um, you've seen him do dribbling, holding people off, making good passes. And well, I won't say out. Recently, Pogba's played well. He just recently got hurt. But up until his injury, yeah, I, I think... They've both been playing at pretty high level. Yeah, that he's been a very bright spot on that team with him finally starting to click. He's been enjoyable to watch for sure. Um, oh, I, I I do hope. Um, I I don't want to just rip him too much, but the Harry Winks problem needs to be addressed. <laughs> he he steps on the field and it is an issue almost immediately on a week to week basis. So. Which is such a drop in, you know, ability. You see the, you just see it go from, okay, yes, yeah, Sissoko's a fine person to have there. Hoiberg is fine to have there. But then Winks replaces, you know, him or Ndembele or, you know, one of those three, and it just becomes a problem. The team, whoever you play, will direct everything at him, which he'll commit a foul, which leads to, you know, a free kick, which we saw was what led to the goal that, you know, won the game for Everton in extra time. It's just, yeah, I, he's the Tom Cleverly of Spurs. There you go. He's just like, sometimes he's fine. And then, but, but most of the time he's not, that's, that's, yeah, that's it for him. (laughs) You know, you, who do you replace him with at the moment? I don't think there is anyone unless you can. Yeah, that, that's the real issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, he's in a bad position and obviously depth will be in the midfield will be something to probably look forward to, you know, in the future and future transfer windows. Um. So if you want, we can probably, I guess if you want to talk about Arsenal, I don't really want to, their Arsenal, they, surprise us each week with either being looking like the worst team or somehow scoring goals and winning. Um, and then actually right below Arsenal's leads, which I think is 11th place in the table, which, you know, leads are pumping. They've been very uh, fun to watch and we've told you guys to watch out for them. If you can, uh, they, regardless of who they play, they're always fun to watch because they just try to score. They don't care who you are. It doesn't matter. They'll do whatever they want to do. Yeah, Leeds, I, I know we, we talked them up in the preseason, and I'm so glad they're they're really – <laughs> honestly, they're doing even better than I anticipated because, yeah. you know, you thought I, – I you figured they'd be they'd be fighting in the regulation area, but they're, you know, they're in a good spot. I would be shocked if they even slip anywhere near close being threatened of relegation. Um, 
yeah, I'm just I'm glad they've come up and they've stuck to their guns and uh, hopefully they keep it up. Yeah, I mean they're they've been very impressive. Um, so if you want, we can move on to I guess the first round or first half I guess of the round of sixteen in the UCL, which started with an absurd PSG whomping of Barcelona and Mbappe gets another hat or gets his first hat trick um, against Barcelona. And that's without Neymar. So these guys are just... Mbappe is so good. PSG has to be trying to find a way to actually extend him. I don't know how you do that. Because, like, I don't know what else you could give him. Because you need to lock him up. Yeah, I think the... Honestly, the... The biggest thing that I think can do it for you is winning the Champions League. Um... Now that's that is awfully close to next season, so you're getting into trouble if you're waiting that long to do it. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, at this point in his career, like money is not he wherever he goes, he's going to get paid. So it's not like a larger wage is going to going to be what does it. And it's not like they've failed to add more talent to that team. So at some point, he's going to want to either you know. He wants that world-level respect. He's already got it, honestly, but he's missing that trophy. If he can get it with PSG, maybe he's like, you know what? We won this. I'm cool staying and building something here, trying to win as many of these as we can. But if he doesn't win it, I mean, the all signs point to Real Madrid being the big threat to, t- to poach him. Yeah. Um, and if you're him, you might be thinking, okay, I want to win a Champions League. I haven't been able to do it with a pretty good team here at PSG. And then on top of that, no one really cares about what league I accomplish in my league. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I could see him, you know, if they don't win, simply being like, I want to go to a league that's more respected. That way my legacy is still growing. Because, I mean, it's it's a, it's a just the reality of it. His His titles in France don't, they're not worth as much as a Premier League title or even a La Liga title. That's just the way the the hierarchy of football works. Um, so yeah, I think this type of performance, that's what PSG needs to um, to have any chance of locking him up because more money is not going to do it. It's going to be telling him, showing him that like, hey, forget about what you're doing in the league. Like we're going to win the league. Let's build like an, uh, a European legacy here, win multiple Champions Leagues and all that. It's certainly possible. PSG has the talent to do so. They just seem to always fall short. With Pochettino leading the way now, you know, you saw what he was able to do with Spurs in the Champions League. If he can take PSG to that next level, I think that's that perfect formula that could help lock up Mbappe. But yeah, no, that game, man, it. I'm not going to – I know some people on, on Twitter were calling it a passing of the torch between Messi and Mbappe, and I'm like, that's – everyone's going to walk have to walk that back if Messi joins City next year. Yeah. Um, but but it definitely, in terms of Barcelona's level, it, it, it did feel like – I mean, there's still a second leg, and we've seen actually Barcelona deliver that turnaround on PSG in the past with that 6-1 win a few years ago. Um but it just kind of it, it really felt like the the last blow to 
um, the Barcelona that we knew, at least for the time being, you know, they're, they're embedded in financial troubles. They've got the Messi wanting to leave fiasco um, and just getting whomped like that at home kind of just felt like the perfect footnote to what has been a disastrous end to that, to that club in terms of being a absolute superpower. Yeah. And I mean, it, I don't think having Ronald Komen as your coach really helps the guy, uh, you know, just just everything surrounding Barcelona this season has been not funny, but in a way, it's just like you didn't let this guy go when he wanted to leave. You kind of deserve it in a sense, but yeah, they <laughs> that game was just such a mess. Uh, I it's definitely not a passing of the torch. Mbappe is going to be good for years to come. I don't think Messi's lost it. I think that's just one game, right? Like, Messi's basically trying to carry this Barcelona team. And you look at who he has around him and or who is played around him, not necessarily that the players are bad, but it's just like... He's not going to be able to do anything when, you know, you have a guy as young and as good as Mbappe scoring a hat trick and just playing with these defenders and midfielders like they're nothing, you know. Not fair. Right. To, not fair to yeah. say that to him. But And like I said, it, it to me it was not a passing of the torch moment. I think that remains to be seen, but it definitely was in my opinion that last blow to the, you know, the, the legacy of the, the Messi era. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Cuz I mean, even the last season with Bayern, that Bayern loss was absurd too that was hard to watch it this was. wasn't quite as hard to watch but it just shows that Barcelona's nowhere near what we used to remember them as um moving on to I guess Leipzig loses to Liverpool that was kind of a surprise in the sense of just how poorly Liverpool has been playing in the past few weeks um so I guess good for them <laughs> you know Mane scores a dope goal you get, I guess, Leipzig not having their best game. But, yeah, I mean, Klopp was able to pull one out and, you know, get a get a first win and kind of go into the second leg with a little bit of comfort with 2-0. Two, uh, two so, Definitely. Two yeah, I don't have, a, I don't have a, lot of, a lot of thoughts on that game. I thought kind of a return to form for Liverpool um, with some of the poor performances they've had lately. Um, with that kind of a narrower score, you know, you could still see a turnaround, though I doubt it. I think Liverpool has got to feel pretty good about advancing to the next round. Um, but yeah, that, you know, good good performance from Liverpool in that match. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the next game was pretty interesting. So the Sevilla-Dortmund game, uh, Holland, I've been talking to you machine. about it. It's just, yeah, the guy's a machine. Um so impressive how young and good he is as a striker. You know, people always say, who's better? You know, Holland or Mbappe, they're different players. You know, uh, Holland is just a fantastic striker that can do it all. Great in the box, can score from outside the box, create. Yeah, he's he's a, he's pretty much unstoppable when he gets going. I feel like we see him score every game he plays in the Champions League, at least one goal, so... Whenever he's on the field, he's he's just scary. And Sevilla, we mentioned, is a good team. 
This is a team that Unai Emery took over, I guess, three years ago now. And I think they're maybe top of the table or second in La Liga. Yeah, he's Unai Emery. Don't know why Arsenal got rid of him for Arteta, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, Yeah, that's a good team that Dortmund beat. And Dortmund was also in quite of a quite... Yeah, they were in a rut as well. They were not playing their best game until this, you know, this this result. That's great for them. Totally. And I think, um, I guess, do they play again next week? Um, I think they might do, it's either next week two or week. two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, regardless, I think uh, that's going to be a match to keep your eye on because that, that late goal uh, by Sevilla, is going to end up being a big di- like you know going down three one is a lot different than being three down three two because you know it, it, in that second leg you score one goal to take that one nil lead and all of a sudden it's like all right we can do this mm-hmm. instead of it seeming like a big mountain to climb um, so that you know automatically that's going to be one of the games that I'm going to try to to watch for the second leg oh for sure and I think that same thing goes with Juve as well Porto kind of dominated that match against Juve. And, you know, Juve picks up a late goal, but it's 2-1. So, I mean, it's still winnable for Juventus to come back and potentially win. But, yeah, Porto put on a very convincing, uh, just an all-around convincing match against Juve, who's, you know, I don't think they're they're not the top team in Serie A. I forget there's two. Yeah, they've they've had a bit of a down year compared to last season, but, I mean, if there's one player who who I never feel safe against with a lead in that second leg of a Champions League game, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's had I think it's been multiple hat tricks when being down in those second legs. Um, the most famous one I get for me at least being the one I guess me honestly maybe even the one last year I think it was last year two years ago with Juve. Um, but the dude is just when when the pressure's on, he can turn it around. So for Porto, you know, all that to say for Porto, they need to to really lock up in that second leg and you know make sure they're sound defensively and that they're still pushing up to try to score because that's the type of game that you you know you're going to come in with a lead, but before you know it, you could be down two nil off of just as easily a Ronaldo PK and then a thick goal from outside the box, and then you're really fighting for your life. Yeah, and he's he's fantastic on set pieces too. So I mean, you know, you really can't write him or that team out until that's all said and done. Yeah, he's he's always a scary guy to play because he will probably score on you. I mean, statistically, he will probably score on you. Like it's it's a very high chance that he does that. Um. Yeah. So that was the I guess first half of the round of 16 next week we'll get four more matches of the other i guess 16 other eight teams that haven't played yet um so we can move on to europa league which you know there's so many matches in the europa league uh there's 32 teams uh we won't go over all of them (laughs) Uh, we'll go over some of the ones i guess we found most interesting and i'm assuming you could probably figure out which ones we thought were the most interesting uh United whomped Real Sociedad, who had Adnan Yanazai, and also another interesting person on the team was David Silva, 
Oh, yeah. I forgot he was over there. Yeah, so uh, United had a really convincing win. You know, his goals kind of all around. And, you know, Bailly played a pretty big part in the game. And Henderson, like I said, I think has yet again put, you know, another result that should probably push Oleg to not play David De Gea anymore because, you know, <laughs> David De Gea sucks. What? I mean, I'm already picturing a scenario where uh, where United makes it to the final again, and even though De Gea hasn't been playing, he gets thrown in as oh, the starter. God. Yeah, that, that was so annoying. I don't know why that happened. Poor Sergio Romero. I feel so bad for that guy. He had been killing it. He was so good. He's the best backup in the world. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you want, we could talk about Spurs a bit. That was uh, quite a whomping as well. 4-1. Yeah, I mean, Spurs looked good. They had a lot of the bench guys out there. Um, probably, I mean, no, not even probably. Definitely the best performances we've seen from Gareth Bale all season. You know, he scored a great goal. Also had an assist. Delhi looked solid today, which has been a big change for him. Um, yeah, just a, a good performance from the club. A lot of guys who I think have been disappointing so far this season look good. So, you know, you hope that it's a result that they can kind of take in stride and get on a roll. But for now, at a minimum, um, you'll they'll be heading back to, to London for the second leg. So coming home 4-1, you got to feel pretty good about them advancing. Yeah, I would think so. And, um, you know, that's yet a good return to form for them. Hopefully they can keep that going in the Premier League. Because, you know, it's it's been a little rough to watch as of late. Um, there really weren't too many upsets. Uh, the only one that at least I saw was Granada beat Napoli, which I don't know how well Napoli is doing in Serie A this season, but I know historically they've been a pretty good team. Um, so yeah, it's, that's really it for, uh, Europa League. Hopefully next, next round will be a little more interesting. Um, but yeah, so then if you want, we can move on to the FA Cup to wrap this up. There's a, you know, I guess we're into the, is it the quarter or round of 16 now for this? So we're into the quarterfinals now, right? Correct, I believe so. Okay, so the quarterfinals will be City versus Everton. So obviously we talked about Everton beating Spurs in extra time um, to win the game on of Winks. Gave away a free kick late game. Was, I'm sure you love reliving it. Um, and then City comfortably beat you know Swansea City, who has Paul Ariola and... Jordan Morris on the team now, so that's kind of yeah, interesting. Sweet. MLS stars. Yeah. Which I think even Zach Steffen did play, too. So, there you go. Three MLS guys. Um, Burnley plays Southampton in the quarterfinals, uh, and Leicester versus United in the quarterfinals, which will be interesting, which United's has had an interesting, or uh, a very fun time getting to this point you know they beat liverpool 3-2 at ansfield and then they beat west ham 1-0 which both were pretty stressful games so both good wins to now get to play a good leicester team and then chelsea versus sheffield i don't i don't know how sheffield's got there 
maybe they they're good at the FA Cup but not in the Premier League. Because if you look at their performances <laughs> in the Premier League, you would have assumed that they would have gotten boomed way earlier. But here they are. They have three wins. <laughs> it's crazy. It is such a. I mean, I definitely didn't anticipate that. So. Yeah, they. It. Yeah, don't know. I mean, you would think on paper Chelsea should blow them out of the water, but you don't know. Yeah, the FA Cup definitely in an interesting spot. So yeah, I mean, I don't know much about the Carabao Cup or when the next matches are, but I think. Well, the the Carabao is up to the final now. Is um, it really? Man, that one always yeah, flies. They, well, they, the thing is they, they reach that point and then they don't play for like three months. So City and Tottenham play in the final in April. Ah, okay. But they've played the semifinal matches in like late January, I think. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Because I feel like, okay, that makes way more sense. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. So yeah, we're just going to be waiting for that one for a while. Okay, well, that will be a good matchup. I mean, Pep versus Mourinho is always an interesting mind game they both play. It's like a chess match. Totally. And, you know, gonna be. it, it looks like City is trying their best to win every single competition they're in, so... You know, Tottenham wants to lock up a trophy. It's going to be difficult, but, you know, all, all things considered, the Carabao might be their best chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and City with the FA Cup, you know, they're playing Everton, and Everton just lost to City. So maybe they're probably going to want to come back with a little bit of a fire to you know, maybe get a little revenge. But, yeah. It's been a, a pretty fun week in soccer, and in Europe at least. Obviously, we didn't go into any of the other leagues, but you know that that might be too much soccer for me at this point. <laughs> you know, you need it, it, things are heating up, so you know we're going to try to touch on as much as we can. But mm-hmm. there, there's just a lot of football happening right oh, now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's it for this special edition EPL slash Europe episode. Um, Yeah. Thanks for listening and we'll hopefully hear from us next time.